0: So for today's podcast, we are going to revisit really an a incredibly exciting topic for us, something that we spend so much time with here in the EBSC, and that is uh, our work around GAIN and the framework is what we refer to it. So with us today is Susan Phelps. You've been with us before, Susan. You are the Chief Officer of NeuroEducation. So thank you, first of all, for coming in with us. Thanks, Jason. So we thought this might just be an opportunity to do a a bit of a refresher uh, for people that may have heard about GAIN and Forgotten, or if you haven't heard it and you're listening or watching this podcast, and we certainly have a lot of information on our website about it, but uh, that we'd refer you to, evscschools.com. But um, since you've worked on this really from the very beginning, and you're still so involved with it, even though it really touches so many facets mm. of the work we do with students, talk to us, uh, you know, just first of all, what do we mean when we say our GAIN framework, a bit of a review, if you will?
1: So GAIN is uh, stands for Growth in Academics Through Innovation and Neuroeducation, and it's a collaboration between three fields, neuroscience, uh, education, and psychology. And And when you say
0: neuroscience, I'm going to stop you right there because people may hear that and think, well, what are we Mm -hmm. talking about here? But what do we mean when we say neuroeducation, neuroscience?
1: So when we talk about neuroscience, we're really talking about how the brain works and how the brain develops and what's amazing about that field is there is a ton of information that really is uh, beneficial to educators and to students. But how you take that information, operationalize it so that it impacts all students and their outcomes is complicated. And so our department inserts really the research from neuroscience and uh, works with educators to really bring it to life for the classroom teacher so that it does impact students and improve their outcomes.
0: So Susan, as I'm hearing you talk about this, and I'm thinking about some presentations we've done recently over the last year to our community through a Rotary Club and sharing updates on this work. If you're hearing this and you're thinking, so for many, many years, many decades, did schools everywhere not really think about how the brain works, how would you respond to that?
1: I, I think we've always thought about how the brain works in some ways, right, but aligning that to our systems and practices is the more complicated step, right? There are pieces around uh, how we learn how to read and do math and other aspects of the scope and sequence of our overall curriculum is obviously based in development, But from a holistic standpoint, how from the moment all of our students, when they walk in the door each and every day, are we ensuring that every student is developing optimally? What does that look like with what's already in the toolbox for educators? There's so much of what we already do that speaks directly to learning and development for students. It's the pieces of the puzzle that haven't been put together so that educators understand how all of that fits together. And when we do that, a couple of things happen. One, we obviously maximize learning and development for our kids, but you also make the day for educators easier in some respect because it doesn't feel like everything is a one-off. Like I have to do this to address this and I have to do this to address that. It should all come together. So what does it look like to all come together? And that's part of what we've tried to operationalize through the framework. We have three phases from an implementation standpoint and we're working through those phases within all of our schools so that, um, all of this that they're already doing gets integrated and we don't have to keep introducing new programs. We can evaluate what is currently there, making sure it's addressing every aspect of development, and then just getting better. Really, sometimes in schools and in education in general, we get stuck implementing and we miss opportunities to improve. And really, when GAIN is implemented fully, we will be in an improvement phase because we'll have all of the pieces connected.
0: So really, we're, we're, this is not an, mm-hmm. an add-on, if you will. This isn't a separate class. <laughs> nope. This is really taking the work we're doing in classrooms as teachers, mm-hmm. planning instruction, yeah. using their instructional strategies, their techniques, and just utilizing this information to make that instruction more effective based on what they know about the, the mindset of their kids and how they come in ready to learn. Is that accurate?
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. And maximizing those outcomes with those practices, meaning what is best when and how do we respond to ensure every student has the opportunity to develop to the fullest potential. And that is regardless of where they enter, right? For the Well, along with that,
0: because we know kids come to us. I mean, mm-hmm. for example, in EBSC, we serve students across the entirety of Vandenberg County, sure. the city of Evansville. We have over 22,000 students. Whatever grade level you're in, you come into that classroom door in a little bit different absolutely. mindset or stage,
1: right absolutely, and so, from a developmental and an experiential standpoint, what opportunities do our students need to ensure again that they developed optimally and it's not just cognitively it's not just knowing reading and math skills right the, the some of the skills that are going to really ensure that life outcomes are positive for all of our students are developing those emotional and social self-regulation skills. Those lend themselves to the ability to collaborate effectively, think creatively, problem solve, critical thinking, innovation. All of those higher order, what we consider 21st century skills require self-regulation.
0: And and so stop there. I want sure. to pause you when we say self-regulation. What, what does that word mean? What are we talking about there? So,
1: really, self-regulation is the ability to manage our emotions, manage our thinking. So... W- A perfect example of that is persistence, right? The ability to persist on a task that's cognitively complex is a cognitive... Or maybe it's challenging. It's challenging, yes, sorry. Uh, A challenging task requires cognitive self-regulation. And the way cognitive self-regulation develops is when you look at the phases of the framework, you have to have a balanced stress load. You have to have... uh, focused attention, self-control, and then you can persist on a task that's hard. So what we're doing from a developmental standpoint is hitting every one of those levels experientially and developmentally within the classroom so that ultimately they are developing those 21st century skills and can be successful whether it's uh, in the workforce or in the community.
0: Because we, I guess what we've really Mm -hmm. come to the realization is, is there are skills that maybe at one point we could have made the assumption you either have it or you mm-hmm. don't. That sure. persistence, correct. That not giving up when a math problem is difficult, correct. for example. correct. And What this work is saying is we can put systems in place, mm-hmm. supports in place to help our students to develop that skill correct. so they don't just get up or give up when they're correct. frustrated. They push through it. So that, yes. an example, of that math situation, they can continue working through that more challenging math, Cor- whatever grade level
1: you're in. Correct, and it, uh, you said a key word, which is the opportunity to experience that complicated task and to persist. Right. So the 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 challenge that you have as the teacher in that moment is the level of support to provide so that the student is able to do the thinking but also so that they can engage in the task initially. So if it's too hard, they may shut down. And so how you... Uh, support in that moment to get them back into the activity and persist as critical teacher. as as the teacher that is when we're looking at the framework that's the skill development side of it because you've already taught the facts we know two plus two is four but if you're trying to figure out how many tiles you need for a, a bathroom that's six by eight that's right. the application of it and so if you're a student i like, i don't know right and right. so the the teacher's role in that moment is to help them access their base knowledge and apply it that's the skill development to application of the knowledge uh, side of it? And then can you collaborate with a team to to pick out different size tiles and do all of those kinds of things to solve those problems? And
0: when you, when you mm-hmm. use the word collaboration, you sure. just did there in that math story, uh, story problem, if you will, yeah. example. When we talk about helping students to develop that skill to collaborate, some of that is based on not only our research, but we have talked... To people in the work industry, employers, mm. to find out what they need in employees, correct? Sure. The type sure. of skill sets that make you successful in the workforce, whatever you do for a living. And then we're using that information to help our students to become successful in those skills, right?
1: Correct, correct. And and it's interesting when you talk to business owners, they'll say our students have the base knowledge. But they know the
0: two plus two as They they
1: knew, they exactly. know those, so we're doing an excellent job. We have excellent curriculum. To develop that base knowledge, but now let 's use it, and most of life is solving sure. problems working you,
0: with a team, yes working with your yes. people in your work and, environment and
1: and I think we 've all heard i don't need to know this math, I have a calculator, okay, great, you have a calculator, you have the answer, but you still have to solve the problem, you still have to work with a team, you still have to be able to if you can 't solve a problem, be innovative in that moment and it Not requires base knowledge, it requires the self-regulation skills, and then it requires the opportunity to have worked. Uh, supportively, with different teams uh, throughout your educational career to solve those problems and think critically and so I think we're we see all of those pieces in our classroom what what gain what we want gain to be able to impress and and really provide the structure for is to understand how all of those pieces fit together. One piece is not more important than the other they 're really all required to maximize development and outcome for our kids.
0: So really, our ultimate goal in developing GAIN um, was to ensure and maximize success for every single one of our students, wherever you come in at, whatever your future interests are, to make sure you're going to be as successful as possible in whatever your future endeavors are.
1: Correct. And and that's why we have the phases of the framework. It really breaks down each level of development and operationalize it for the educators, regardless of the grade that they're in. Understanding, having a balanced stress load, access to executive functioning skills, high quality content to develop that base knowledge, and then being able to apply that experientially so that students can think critically, problem solve, be collaborative with each other. Um, Those are the skills they'll need, again, in the workforce community, their families, right? To be successful. Um, And the research is is clear on that. I know sometimes when we look at some of the research around self-regulation, really just talk specifically about outcomes around test performance. But more importantly, it talks about life outcomes. You know, our students uh, historically that have had the opportunity to develop self-regulation skills within classrooms uh, are more successful academically within their communities, families. um, And so when we talk about developing the whole child, it has to be experientially throughout the day infused within academic content, problem solving, and all of those pieces so that all of those skills are developed when the students leave. Not just base knowledge, but skills and self-regulation skills.
0: So really, Susan, gain was developed in what I think is one of the most powerful things Mm -hmm. about it. We developed it ourselves based on what we saw the need was. This isn't something we just Mm -hmm. went online, searched for something, bought it, and sent it out to all of our classrooms, checked the box, and said we've done it. I mean, we developed this for our students and our schools and classrooms, right?
1: We did. And uh, again, with with the idea that there's great research in the field of neuroscience that was difficult to access through the field of education at an operational and a classroom level. And so being able to take that and modify our systems and practices so that you can do what maximizes outcomes for kids from a developmental standpoint across every grade, was
0: yeah elementary, middle and high. We're correct.
1: Regardless right. of where you enter, that you would have that opportunity. And that's critical. And it's not just it's not just about doing well on a test, because you can do well on a test and not necessarily do well in life. That's not the sure. best predictor all the time of what your life trajectory is going to be. So we wanted to optimize development, overall development for our youth when they came in. And not only that put the puzzle pieces together for our educators because they have so many strengths and resources, but how does it all fit together? And the framework really fits all of that together. I also think it's important to note that the neuroscience that we use is accepted neuroscience. There's a field of learning that exists. Educational psychology exists, and that information is there, but the the ability to take that information and get it to the classroom level is the sort of gap that uh, had to be bridged, which is why our department exists.
0: Sure. Well, and speaking of your department, mm-hmm. um, actually, in next, next week's podcast, we're going to have two individuals that you work closely with in your sure. department. and. I'm going to talk to them about really what this looks like at the school level, that type of support we're providing because we know our teachers do a phenomenal job. And if we can, as you said, I think you used the term tools in a toolbox earlier, if we can continue to add tools to their toolbox, it's going to make them more successful. I want to remind listeners again, before we wrap up today, that all of this information, um, everything you want to see about GAIN is on our website, evscschools.com. We even did a recent publication that was used at one of our community presentations. You can flip through that on the website. So um, the phases are mentioned in that. So a lot of good information there. So as a last question for you today, Susan, to add to this information, is someone who was involved with this work that I I think it'd be fair to say is groundbreaking work in the field of education, what are you most pleased, most proud of? Since you've been on this journey the entire Mm -hmm. time and you kind of reflect back Mm -hmm. and where we've been, where we're at, where we're going, um, what, what makes you the proudest um in terms of how we're impacting kids in their education?
1: I mean, it's always gonna be the outcomes, right? And sure. and for me is just seeing our students that have the opportunities to go any direction that they want. We've developed the the skills that they need and there aren't any doors that close for them for their future. That's what's so exciting for me to to see them going from grade to grade to grade and those doors opening and they're just advancing. It's It's, it's exciting to watch.
0: And I think there's more to
1: come because we're
0: not finished yet.
1: We're not finished yet. Not so. at all.
0: Susan Phelps, thank you for taking the time to go through this. We could have continued on for several hours, but we'll stop it for there. Maybe we'll pick up this conversation
1: on a future podcast. Thank you. Sounds great. Thanks, Jason.